In November 2005, the wrestling world mourned the passing of Eddie Guerrero. Eddie's entire life had been a roller coaster of highs and lows, and some of the lows that he'd reached in his 38 years on earth were incredibly dark. For a time in his life, Eddie lost his family, his friends, and himself to addiction. But during the period of life that he reached before he passed away, Eddie had finally found some stability in both his personal and his professional life. In his career, Eddie wrestled in all corners of the globe. He worked in North America, Europe, Japan, and of course, Mexico. He was a naturally gifted grappler, having been born into a wrestling family, and he was trained to wrestle by his father and his brothers in their backyard. Early in Eddie's career, he worked in Mexico for EMLL, the predecessor to famous Mexican wrestling promotion CMLL, but he soon fell out with the promoter's overpay and creative control. The wrestling world would quickly learn that Eddie Guerrero was a man of principles, and he stood his ground early on over his character. Eddie was wrestling as the character Mascara Magica, but was uncomfortable wrestling under a mask. Eddie showed an early streak of rebellion that would be evident throughout his life when he decided that he wanted to break with Mexican wrestling tradition and take the mask off himself. The bookers in EMLL wouldn't allow him to take the mask off. Guerrero was furious with the decision and then he left the company under a cloud and they blackballed him. Eddie soon resurfaced in AAA, where he was allowed to unmask. Before his first match in the promotion, the headwear came off and he proclaimed that he was continuing the Guerrero family name. In AAA, Eddie met his future tag team partner, Art Barr. Barr was a second generation American wrestler and they formed a villainous tag team together. Barr was hugely talented in his own right and he's credited with advancing the wrestling style in Mexico. The style of wrestling that he pioneered combined the acrobatic display of Lucha Libre with the hard-hitting realism of Japanese wrestling and added the big bumping charisma of American pro wrestling to the mix. Barr's wrestling style was adopted by Eddie, Barr had a huge influence on young Eddie Guerrero, and Eddie thought of Art like a brother. In an interview, Eddie said, I learnt so much from Art. He could make the fans laugh, he could make them cry, and he could make them pissed off. He made me realise that there's more to wrestling than just wrestling. He helped me change my personality in the ring. He had a big effect on me. While he and Eddie were making more money than ever before in their tag team and wrestling to critical acclaim, Barr was miserable living in Mexico thanks to being thousands of miles away from his family. Already known for living fast when outside the ring, Barr's drink and prescription drug use massively increased. While visiting family for Thanksgiving in America, Barr passed away in his sleep. He was intoxicated by a cocktail of drugs and alcohol. When he died, he was only 28 years old. In an interview, Eddie said, I cried three months straight when he passed away. He was like a little brother to me. We lived together in Mexico for three years. If I wasn't with my wife, I was with him. We were each other's family. Hauntingly, Eddie went on to say that Barr's death had prompted him to make sure that he had earned enough money in the wrestling business to support his family in case he was ever to die young. In 1992, Eddie wanted to move on from Art Barr's death 
and so he went to ply his trade in Japan, where he met Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit for the first time. It wasn't long before the three men came to the attention of Paul Heyman, who booked them to appear in ECW in 1995. A series of matches between Eddie and Dean Malenko helped change the perception of ECW. Now, not only was ECW famous for its violence, but it was also known for its world-class technical wrestling, thanks to these three men. WCW came calling next. Eddie found success in 1996 when he won a tournament to become United States Champion, where he defeated Diamond Dallas Page in the final match. Eddie was one of WCW's truly great US champions. He had stellar matches against Chris Jericho, Dean Malenko, Six and Chris Benoit, amongst others. He would later go on to become one of the best ever cruiserweight champions in WCW history, and that's in a division that was crowded with hugely entertaining wrestlers. Eddie proved his worth to WCW over and over again, eventually turning heel and being very effective with it. In 1997, he would have an all-time classic match against Rey Mysterio at Halloween Havoc in a mask versus cruiserweight title match. But despite all of this incredible work, Eddie was deeply frustrated during his time in WCW. WCW's glass ceiling was unbreakable to all but the usual suspects in 1998, and so Eddie got steadily angrier at his position in the company, eventually leading to a heated confrontation between himself and Eric Bischoff backstage. The rumour that circulated around wrestling for years was that Bischoff literally threw hot coffee over Eddie in a fit of rage. But in an interview, Eddie set the record straight. He said, We had our little coffee incident. I can't blame him. Maybe he thought I was ungrateful or something. I just wasn't happy with the situation. He had mentioned once that if I wasn't happy, to tell him, and that's what I did. He really felt I was ungrateful at the time, and I can see his point. He didn't throw the coffee at me. He kind of threw it at the ground, but it still got on me. I think he was a little upset, but it's been blown out of proportion. Somewhat begrudgingly, Eddie would continue to wrestle for WCW as there was still time left on his contract. They worked the coffee incident into an angle on Nitro, giving him screen time, but that didn't elevate him into the main event. Far darker times were coming for Eddie, as on New Year's Day in 1999, he would be involved in a horrific car accident. Eddie took an unsafe dose of a legal form of GHB after having an argument with his wife, Vicky. In the early hours of the morning, he drove to the local grocery store but fell asleep at the wheel. Eddie's car went hurtling down a cliff. While Eddie survived the crash, the knock-on effect from his injuries were long-reaching. Eddie would be feeling the effects of the accident for months and years to come, and it would act as a trigger for his spiral into painkiller addiction. In an interview at the time, Eddie said, I'm dealing with a reconstructed ankle and three fractured vertebrae that I'll have for the rest of my life. I have constant pain. Eddie, along with Dean Malenko, Chris Benoit and Perry Saturn, jumped ship to the WWF. All four men were sick and tired 
of their position on the card in WCW, and after years of toiling, they were getting nowhere. And so this was a fresh opportunity for the men in the WWF, and it was thrilling for both them and the fans at home. The first official WWF match for Eddie was a tag team match with him and Saturn, facing the Road Dog and Billy Gunn. Unfortunately, Eddie dislocated his left elbow while attempting his signature frog splash at the end of the match. At the worst possible time, Eddie was put out of action at the very start of his WWF career. Eddie was happy to return to the company in the spring after some recovery time on his elbow, but his addiction to painkillers was growing ever bigger. For some fans, Eddie and China's on-screen will-they-won't-they romance was her best storyline, and it truly helped Eddie get over with the fans for years to come. Eddie saw this storyline as finally being able to stretch his wings as a performer, which is something he'd never been able to do before. In an interview, he said, I was given the opportunity. Rubbing shoulders with China is great. With all the exposure she had, it was great. I had the opportunity to do some acting, different parts of me that I was able to show, in the few years I was with WCW, I never got the opportunity to express myself. I have here. They gave me an opportunity to produce my character, and they've helped me develop my character. China and Eddie worked an angle against Lita and S.A. Rios at the time, and then Eddie's substance abuse issues were becoming more noticeable to those around him. In her book, Lita said... Unfortunately, there were moments during our angle together that Eddie was pretty out of it. The day of backlash, we were talking over that night's matches with our agent, Michael Hayes, and Eddie was basically unconscious. We were sitting there in catering. Eddie was passed out and SA barely spoke English, but Michael just went on talking about the match as if nothing was wrong. China and I kept exchanging looks like, is this really happening? It was a very weird scene. By now, it was common knowledge amongst Eddie's circle of friends that he needed pills and alcohol just to function. Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit started to fear for their friend's health, and so they set up a meeting with him, Jim Ross, and Bruce Pritchard. During the meeting, Jim Ross gave Eddie an ultimatum to go to rehab or to lose his job. Eddie decided to go to rehab, but it didn't work, and then he relapsed again. Eddie ended up arrested in November 2001 for driving under the influence, and then he was fired by the WWF. Eddie wasn't just ruining his wrestling career and alienating his friends and colleagues, he was also spoiling his personal relationship with his wife Vicky and his two children. In an interview after his death, Vicky said, It was a real hellhole when you're dealing with a person that you love so much and there's these substances that overtake his whole thinking and actions and you can't fight with them. There's no fighting with a pill. There's no fighting with alcohol. And you didn't really want to fight with Eddie because the drugs and alcohol already had control of him. So I didn't even have Eddie with me for a long, long time. Eddie's actions would lead to them separating for two years and it almost ended in divorce. Eventually, Eddie went back to rehab, and luckily, this time, it seemed to work, and it saved their relationship. Vicky went on to say, I saw Eddie changing to where he was calm. The rehab had worked, the work in the AA groups, and the personal time 
that he put into his recovery. I could see he was investing a lot of time in himself and the girls would come home and they were saying how daddy was doing good and I think we started flirting again. Eddie started rebuilding his wrestling career too, where he started to regain the trust of different promoters for being a reliable worker. The WWF took a chance and rehired Eddie in 2002, where he would embark on his most successful run of his career. The WWE slowly started putting their faith in Eddie, making him a multiple-time tag team champion alongside his nephew Charvo, and then the United States champion. But then came the biggest opportunity of his entire career. By 2004, WWE were ready for Eddie to lead the company as champion, and he entered a feud with Brock Lesnar. Lesnar was the WWE champion at the time, and their rivalry would take a step into the personal. Lesnar mocked Eddie for his addiction issues, but it only served to humanise Eddie to the fans who saw him as a demon-conquering hero. At No Way Out in 2004, Eddie beat Lesnar for the championship in a hugely emotional climax to the show. As WWE champion, Eddie strode on into WrestleMania 20, where he won an excellent match against Kurt Angle, retaining the championship. Later in the night, his best friend Chris Benoit won the World Heavyweight Championship, as Eddie and Chris Benoit celebrated at the end of the show on the grandest stage of them all. It would be an image seared into the minds of wrestling fans for years to come. It was an image that would soon turn bittersweet. Pressure started to mount in Eddie's mind while he was WWE Champion as SmackDown's ratings had started to dip. None of that was Eddie's fault. He was a great champion and he was still super over with the fans. Rather, Brock Lesnar had left the company, Kurt Angle and The Big Show were both injured and former mid-carder and tag team wrestler JBL was being pushed as the lead heel on the brand. All of those factors combined to contribute to the decline in SmackDown's popularity. WWE management tried to assure Eddie that everything was fine. Eddie wasn't in the right place to be WWE champion, and so he asked to drop the title. At the Great American Bash in 2004, Eddie lost the championship to JBL. On November the 13th, 2005, Eddie was found unconscious in his hotel room. He was discovered by his nephew, Charvo Guerrero. Charvo said that when he found Eddie, he was barely clinging to life. Charvo called an ambulance for his uncle, but it was too late. Eddie was pronounced dead at the scene. Later, the autopsy revealed that he'd passed away from acute heart failure caused by underlying cardiovascular disease. Eddie was just 38 years old. Eddie's heart had become very enlarged and his arteries very narrow, from his long history of drug abuse. Naturally, Eddie's death took a personal toll on his friends and family, and we as fans can speak to how it affected us. Eddie's death broke the hearts of wrestling fans all around the world, and he is remembered to this day.